Hey, Peter. Hey. Are we in Nolens yet? <laughs> We're almost in Nolens. Just walking down at the tempo of the city. Oh, with the skeeters on the swamp. Skeeters. <laughs> I'm Adam Annis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to Go Hear It, a podcast about listening to and playing music better. What? <laughs> what? That's our new tagline. That's Remember? our new tagline. Say it again. You approved it. Uh, a podcast about listening to and playing music better. Actually, I'm a little undecided if it should be a podcast about listening and playing music better. I like that. You like that? Okay, yeah. so get rid of the two. A there podcast about listening and playing music better. I like that because... Comma? Listening, comma, and playing music? I don't think it needs a comma. Okay, okay. Are any any grammatical wizards out there? Yes. Please let us know. But I think a, a podcast about listening and playing music better, that really encapsulates what we're trying to do here. And I love the emphasis it puts on number one. Listen. Listen. That's right. That doesn't change. We might be going into a new decade, but we might be in a new decade, in fact. So I think it's important to note that these are our last batch in this musty, dank Podcave. This podcave served us well. If you if you go and listen to the very early non-podcave, <laughs> yeah. you'll hear it. We were like out in the wilderness, out just exposed to the world out <sighs> Man, there. Man, it wasn't good. <laughs> but uh we've grown. Well, we weren't very good either then, so it was, true. Yeah, yeah. it was appropriate. So yeah, but we're graduating again, I feel like. Yeah, no, no. It's it's time to uh to move on to uh brighter uh skies, greener greeter pastures, what am I trying greeter to say? skies. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So these will be our last batch in the pod cave. See you, Kranik and Bach. Oh, well, we may be moving. Uh, I don't think we should. Okay, man. We let's just don't. let it That die. thing looks heavy AF. <laughs> we have a whole exciting new setup. Yes. A couple of keyboards, maybe. We got a couple key. Maybe. They're sitting in there right now, know, aren't they? We, be, have, we got to try them out, though. We don't know if they're up to the level of the You'll Hear podcast uh, commentators here, but we hope so. We're upgrading. No more headphones. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be nice. Yeah. So uh, today, though, we have a speak pipe. This yeah, these are kind of holdovers because the, the speak pipe is officially closed now, right? It is. It's 2020. We've turned it off. Yeah, but we had so many great ones. We want to try to hit as many as we can. And um, this is from Neil. Hi, Peter. Hey, Adam. My name is Neil. I'm from Kentucky. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys about the word phrasing. Um, a lot of my teachers in the past have sort of used it uh, to talk about things like articulation dynamics. Um, but I just wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. I feel like um, it's just used pretty much as a catch-all. And sometimes I don't really quite know um, the specifics um, when people are talking about phrasing. So uh, really appreciate uh, the podcast. Thank you so much. That's a great question. That is. Yeah. I don't know if we've uh, dealt specifically with the word phrasing. Right. Um, but I love to talk about it. because I love to too. Because... What you say is important, but equally as important, if not more important, is how you say it. Yes. And to me, that's what phrasing is. It's the how. You know what? We're thinking alike here. We are, this, this is why we're doing this. I was going to say the exact same thing. This is the how you do it. You have your vocabulary, yep. but then how are you going to use those words? How are you going to put them together? Even the same, and this is what me, to me, if you think about it like you play a phrase and then I play the exact same notes, same rhythm, same tempo. They should be different. Right. And that would be different phrasing. Unless so, I'm saying I'm trying to do my Adam Manis phrasing. Right. But if I go like... Right. You wouldn't do that. You would do... 
Even cornier. You didn't think that was possible. I thought you were gonna like really. Stoop bop scoop bit leap. Well, no, but that's really getting into Ooh. changing the. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That's really getting into changing the rhythms. I think even if you're at the same tempo, same rhythm. You know, I think you mentioned articulation, dynamics. Th- those are like the building blocks of what phrasing. Right. Are, there's like say. timbre. There's the actual sound you get from yeah. your instrument. Uh, there's the attack of each of the, the individual attack. notes. Yeah. And then there's like the kind of phrasing. You know, I learned a lot about this kind of studying classical music in, in, in like some of my teachers would talk about how you're going to phrase that that theme or that phrase. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, the phrasing of it is like the sculpting of it because they're not in the classical music. You're not deciding on the notes. So that's not an element of how it's phrased. But it's like, are you going to use legato? Are you going to use, you know, a crescendo? And, a, you know, the, the things that aren't necessarily written in into the phrase, but that are musical choices that we make. Now, are you considering tempo? time to be part of this as well because hmm. i'm thinking along when you mentioned classical i think of like if i'm interpreting a melody yeah it's pre-written right, right? i don't want to change the notes too much right um if at all but i can phrase by displacing it you know over the bar or yeah. i mean i think of someone like um Gio Gilberto who would phrase things like so far behind yes you know basically like starting them yeah. you know, a bar late and then just kind of like letting them end late. Yeah, yeah. Like that's phrasing to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Or miles with a melody. Yeah, know, laying back. It. Yeah, I think certainly um, laying back or playing on top of the beat is certainly a part of phrasing. I think kind of the choice of what tempo you're playing in general maybe is not phrasing. Like that's more of an overall thing, unless you're changing it as you go maybe. Right. Yeah. The, the overall tempo. Yeah. That's not phrasing. Yeah. I'm just saying of an individual line, like like whatever the established kind of groove is. How are you placing that phrase in? Like, there? is it phrasing to go as opposed to da 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 or da 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 da? Well, see, you're changing up the rhythm now, bro. See, that's what I'm saying. But is okay. that phrasing? That's yeah. I don't know. Do you consider, <laughs> see this? But this is the question. Yeah. Um, well. Let's talk about the stuff that we do know about phrasing. It's, it's so much better. You pick the one area that we really don't know, right? I'm, I haven't. I just haven't thought about it. I like think that. that's more just sort of improvisational choices, you know. But it, yes, of course, it does contribute to the phrasing. I mean, it's interesting because we talk about a phrase, right, mm-hmm. or a theme, or a motif. Like I look at a motif as being a short phrase. But I'm always thinking about trying to think about music in phrasings and in uh, what else would you call it? What's another word for phrasing? Or I mean, just like a a phrase, a, yeah. a, a theme. Themes. Yeah. Yeah. So look and that's not always four bar. Like a lot of times people look at music and say like, oh, there's a four bar phrase because it's written on one line. It absolutely. It's not. It's, it's a complete musical idea. Right. But then how you phrase it, phrase yeah. the phrase yeah, yeah. is about it's, it's, it's like your style, really. For sure. And especially with. So, yeah, I mean, if that's affecting how you stylize that theme, that pre-written thing, then I think it is a part of phrasing. It's definitely the broadest level, though. That's all I want to know. Yeah. yeah. I, wanna, I didn't want to get too deep <laughs> into it. Uh, but I think, you know, so he mentioned his teachers talking about articulation uh, dynamics. I yeah. think those are kind of the real core components of yeah the, of phrasing things differently. Yeah, I mean, especially when you talk about improvisation. Mm. You know, when I talk about when I think about also well with improvisation, we can, you know, phrasing could be like the length of your phrases. You know, yes. messing with that and yeah. and trying to phrase things uh, with expectations and then defying those expectations. We talked about that before. That's storytelling. Yeah, and I think you know when we talk about articulation and dynamics, and it's very hard to separate those. 
in a way because you know if we talk about playing a note with an accent within a phrase mm-hmm. so if you're like boo do bop you know and boo bop bop like say an accent as opposed to an accent and a dot over it like mm-hmm. a short i mean where are those lines that's a very blurred lines kind of type right, of situation right. but those things in terms of the the overall structure of that phrase are super important. Like that kind of, like when they talk about bebop phrasing or like bebop style, a lot of people think it's based around these little harmonic and melodic tricks. It's not. I mean, that's a part of it, but I think it's really about like how you're placing the notes and phrasing them, what choices you're making about accenting. And that's not on a meta level of the individual note. It appears that it is because there's an accent or it's short or it's it's legato or whatever. And when you're, especially like if you're a, a brass player, you're thinking about how do I attack that note? But in terms of how it manifests itself in music and mm-hmm. in a complete musical thought, it's about what you're doing before and after that you get to that accent and how are you laying it within the beat? And so I think that's when it's a more inclusive way of looking at phrasing and what it can do you know, to your point about improvisation, how it can how it can sculpt our improvisational ideas just as much as are we going to alter the harmony? Are we going to play a long phrase? Is it going to be short? But it's like the phrasing of it. And I would just encourage people don't get so much stuck up on how you're going to phrase one note. The same way we talk about voicings. It's yeah, like yeah. the good voicing depends on what the progression of it is. And I think phrasing is a progression of choices we make about articulation and dynamics and legato or not legato and i don't know what else but i mean how we play that yeah. contributes to our style no, i'm glad you brought up bebop because that's such a strong phrasing culture yeah. you know the sound of bebop it's like that's all about the phrasing yeah i mean it is about the notes that you're playing but if you you could play those in a in a more modern with a more modern feel yeah those same lines yeah and it doesn't sound like bebop right or you could play that with that with those accents where they are with the feel and the swing from that era and it sounds like bebop all of a sudden right, you know I mean? right. the articulation that way so i think it make a, makes a huge difference it's really neil i mean just to again answer your question directly like just think about it as how you play it not yep. not what you play but how you play it yep. and it's really you know, we talk about this like you can't learn to play by just gathering information. Yeah. You know, you can't just gather a bunch of information. Yeah, you just have a play. stack of vocabulary and no, don't know how to use it. Right. So phrasing is best learned by, um, number one. Oh, listen. That's listen. right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's because it's, this is really the the dialect, right? Yeah. Like this is, you you know the vocabulary, but how do you say it? How do you inflect the sentences to get your point across? How do you yeah. become an eloquent speaker of a language? And it's got to listen to people speaking it, you know, yes. and to, to really get the nuances of how it sounds because, you know, music is a language and the way we say those things is just as important as what we're saying. Yeah, and I was I was reading something about a, a concept that I used to think about long ago and it kind of drifted away, but it was this idea of, I love anytime we talk about connecting language with, with music because I really believe uh, you know, that music is a language and not just in the way of like, oh, music bridges cultures. No, I mean, it is a way of communicating. It has its its rules and it's and it's and it's things that we break and it's and and we we listen to it. And, and there's different genres or dialects and all these things. But the idea was that certain music from different cultures around the world and at different times in the history of the world have been connected in a way to the native language of that place. In other words, there's certain languages, and I, I'm not an expert on languages, a linguist at all, but I know that there's certain languages where, you know, different, you know, going up and down, and like when we finish with a question, like that's not even a part of their language, certain Asian languages, I believe, 
that there's everything is kind of straight ahead, whether it's a question or a statement, you know. And then there's others that at the other extreme, like Portuguese, especially from Brazil, where there's, you know, the the cadence and the the up and down of it is is exaggerated, is such a beautiful part of the language. But if you listen to the music from these places, people have found a connection in ways that, you know, are a lot deeper than just saying, I'm going to play like I talk. But I think that, you know, especially as we move into this era where the world is so much smaller and we hear people speaking different languages and we're learning them and you can actually hear somebody the way they speak in Japan, say, on YouTube or something for hours at an end and actually hear what that language sounds like and try to duplicate it if you're willing to, number one, listen. It's the same thing with like jazz phrasing and stuff and bebop, but you have to know what to listen for. I mean, it's just like somebody could hand you you know, this great model has these clothes and he looks so slick walking around New York and then all of a sudden you put it on and hmm. it's like, wow, I've got the same clothes but you don't have the style right, you know? You don't have the hat, the hat the right way or whatever. And I think that's what, you know, we're talking about phrasing being how you play something. It's how do you in- inflict your own style onto how you're going to play that? Have you heard of this uh, 7%, 38%, 55% rule wow. of communication? I know the 80-20 rule, which is a lot easier for me to add up. But <laughs> No, so this is like, a, it's being talked a lot about, um, about um, basically about what we're talking about here. So how people respond to what you say, and I think this works well with music too. Nice. Um, so 7%, uh, like what, what really matters. Right. Um, so uh, uh, the importance of, of content of what you're saying is only about uh important i'm trying to uh let's see let's trying to say this the right way i'm trying to communicate this the right way yeah uh, i got th- you what you're saying is is only seven percent of communicating it mm. how you say it is 38 percent like that's that's more important by a measure of 38 percent and then your body language as you say it is 55 percent now that's some data-driven numbers right there. It oddly was, specific. I'm trying to get a better way of communicating this right now. I'm trying no, no, I'm to, trying it, to get better so. body language so that it, it comes through. Now, there was a study by this uh, scientist at UCLA in the 60s, and it's being talked a lot about, especially from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. of, of how we communicate things. But I think this is where phrasing is so crucial. It's something yeah. we probably don't practice enough if you're an intermediate player. It's like when you realize that you need to spend time learning how to say things. And, yes. how, and then for me, the 55%, the body language, that's performance, right? Right? That's being able yeah. to convey it to the audience, right? Yeah. So if you think about how much work you do on trying to acquire that content, which is like 7%, yep. uh, you know, of people think that's the most important thing right. as they are being communicated to, um, you're going about it a little bit wrong. You could yeah. do a little more with way less content if you knew how to say it and then how to, how to sell it. Right. Well, that's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start thinking about those percentages in my improv now. I'm going to try to nail that 38% especially, right? Yeah, thirty-eight <laughs> percent. So it's seven percent are the words spoken. Yeah, so that's this, vocabulary. Yeah, right. These are the elements of personal communication. Thirty-eight percent are the voice or tone you use, and fifty-five percent is body language. Yeah, that's how people break it down. Is the most important things, and a bunch of scientific studies about it. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, this might be stretching even a little further, but if you think we were talking about earlier, we were listening to something uh, really good pianist that we know, but the recording was kind of low quality, and at first we were like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. but then we listened to what he's playing. It's like, wow, he actually sounds really good. Yeah. But the recording, maybe is that recording the quality, tone. almost the 55% kind of thing? You the, know? Yeah, yeah, the body language, yeah. the tone, the presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so well, that's cool. About cool. Phrasing. We all have it, we all use it, and now we all understand but it. But you can practice it, Neil, and you should practice it. Make it as an important part of practicing as it is your scales. How you play the scales is just as important as what scales you're practicing. Yeah. And scales is a great time to 
to kind of get a little bit meta with it and really practice, you know, like all the different elements on their own articulation, you know, staccato, legato, so you can have those and be able to pull them out at the right time and, 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 and link them together into this sure. effective we've, frame. We've talked about it before. Like when, when I'm practicing scales, I'm practicing different dynamic levels. I'm practicing crescendos, diminuendos, staccato, yep. legato. You got to do yep. it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, that's it for us. That, that is it for us. We are we have some surprises coming. Obviously, it's not a big surprise that we're moving into the new studio. That's going to be oh, super exciting. Oh, yeah. But we've got a little thing coming up called B-Sides. What do we I'm got? I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. What? Yeah, we're about to record it in a second here. And it's, that's only going to be a... Are we going to have that on the podcast? Andrew too. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be version. on the weekends. We're going to release it on the weekends. Shh, don't tell them when. Oh, sorry. I mean weekdays. No, <laughs> nighttime. It's going to be released sometime. But that's going to be a little fun, a little fun thing. So look out for that by popular request. But no, that's not true. Also not true. <laughs> no, the B sides. But that's especially going to be on the YouTube channel, the new YouTube channel. More on that tomorrow, though. Man, you're giving everything away. Well, you'll hear it. 